There's、uh, two big markets in Japan. One is called、uh, Anime Japan in March, and then Tokyo International Film Market, TIFF. Welcome to Best in Fest. I'm Leslie Lepage, the director of the Lefemme International Film Festival, and this is a podcast for people who are interested in advancing their career in television, film, and learning all the dirty little secrets that make Hollywood tick. Today, I'm super excited to have Ko Mori、uh, from Eleven Arts uh, on uh, the podcast today. He is. Amazing. Originally from Japan, he's the president and CEO of Eleven Arts,、uh, which distributes、uh, Japanese animation to the American market and produces films in the U.S. for a global audience.、Uh, he's produced、uh, Prisoners of the Ghost Land, which was a Sundance Film Festival favorite, starring Nicolas Cage and Sophia. Butelli,、uh, Gift of Fire, Lords of Chaos, with director Jonas Ackerlund,、uh, Man from Reno.、Uh, Eleven Arts is really has a mission to to bring the cultural divide between the United States and Japan, you know, through storytelling and through this content that they、um, are creating. The House of the Lost on the Cape is. Uh, showing in theaters September seventh of this year. So,、uh, welcome, Co. How are you? <laughs> so happy to have you here. I'm great. Thanks for all the great intro, Leslie. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. I'm honored to be here.、Uh, thank you so much, and I'm super excited. Awesome, awesome. I'm gonna start with like the really easy, basic, simple、uh, question. You started off.、Um, In entertainment in Japan, and then you decided to come to the U.S. and really bring that culture, and your、um, producing that that anime that the filmmaking culture in Japan to the American audience 15 years ago. So, how did that start for you? Yeah, actually.、Uh, um... I've been, you know, based in Los Angeles for 23 years, and、uh, yeah, I actually、uh, wasn't in the film industry when I was in Japan, you know. So I,、uh, you know, I came to Los Angeles dreaming that someday I will be a Hollywood producer. So that was the the very classic, but that was the that was in nineties, and that was the reason why that I came to LA. So I started my career in Los Angeles, actually from the, you know, from the、uh, the scratch. So that's where I started. Yeah, and you gravitated to and towards、um, anime. How did that start for you? That that passion? Because I I got my degree from Cal Arts.、Um, Huge animation、um, arts,、uh, fine arts、uh, college. So I've I've loved anime, you know, for a very long time. But how did that? How did you get bitten? Yeah. So you know, growing up in Japan, you know, anime, Japanese anime, of course, in Japan, you know, it's all over the places. Like you literally,、uh, I literally grew up on it. You know, like when yeah, when I come back from、uh, school, you know, and then turn on TV, there's always anime going on on TV. You know, it's like it's just a,、uh, it's been always that it's a part of a culture. You know, so you already have that in yourself. You know, and when you、um, you know when you think about coming to Los Angeles or the States, 
you know, the States is all about Hollywood, right? So, um, you know, it's Hollywood, but somehow you know that you have this anime, you know, gene inside of you, you know, and uh, somehow I thought that it would be super interesting to present some of the anime that I used to love or some of the new anime stuff that, you know, that's coming up, you know, to the American market, you know, that's a, that I thought was a great thing to do. Well, let's let's talk about just the differences for the listeners on the different animations. You know, we have the traditional anime, we have Western anime, we have this new version of anime, we have classic Disney um, animation. Uh, can you describe just briefly the differences of this for, for people listening in that may not have that, that bandwidth? Well, definitely uh, nowadays, I mean, you know, American animation, including Disney, you know, Sony, um, well, uh, Pixar, you know, uh, all that. It's all about 3D CG. You know, it's a 3D animation, 3D CG animation, you know, whereas a Japanese anime, you know, still... I don't think they're trying, but they still stick with the classic handwriting anime. You know, it's 2D, you know? So there is a, a difference there. Also that, you know, Japanese um, anime is very much depending on the creator where that, you know, they they create the characters, you know, uh, handwriting and all that stuff. So that directly affects on a character design or the, you know, or the world that they create, you know? So it looks, um, the each anime titles look completely different, but, you know, at, uh, at the end of the day, also there's a huge budget difference as well, as you know, that the Hollywood span, Hollywood would span, you know, a lot of budget into it. So it looks beautiful and it becomes, it's totally on entertainment. Whereas a Japanese anime, you know, it's a smaller budget, but still they stick with the traditional way of, uh, you know, anime anime making, but it still looks great too. So, you know, there's a, two different stuff right there. Right. So just for those listening in, the traditional is still doing the, the hand cells and doing on a, a shooting on, is it a, is a, is it a one to four? Uh, it's not a one to one. It's is it a one to four or one to three um, cell shot rate, as opposed to the CGI, which is computer generated. Once those main character drawings are inputted into the computer, which is what Disney's doing, Pixar, Sony, etc. Right? Explained pretty well. Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good. Yeah. <laughs> so now you started. You went into and and. You went from this kernel of of wanting to be this Hollywood producer and producing, right, um, your first entity. Can you tell us what that was like, uh, that that first thing you produced? Yeah, great. Well, you know, uh, as a Japanese, coming to the States is already challenging. Not only that, you know, just general idea of coming to another country is challenging, but, uh, you know, like in the States, uh, if you have to work, then you have to get a visa and, you know, you have, you have some layers of, you know, uh, stuff that you have to overcome first, you know, before even getting into the filmmaking, you know? So uh, it took me a while, I'd say some good two, three years to come to the point where now I can finally focus on filmmaking or, you know, like I, I can finally 
coming to the starting point, you know? So um, that being said, my first film was uh, actually uh, that I produced, I think it was back in 2004, okay? Um, <laughs> it was a horror film, okay, that I produced because uh, there was a um, great, um, there was another Japanese director that came from Japan, you know, who just got the green card back then and then wanted to start another career in Hollywood. But again, he's from Japan. He didn't speak much English, you know, uh, but he had a great career in Japan already. So he knows what to do when it comes to the filmmaking, you know, from, you know, from A to Z, literally, you know. Yeah, he had this career of, I think he directed like over 20 future films. And, you know, he's been in the industry for over 30 years at that point. Okay. His name is uh, Junichi Suzuki. Okay. He became almost like my uh, mentor to start with, you know. Right. So he, he came to L.A. and we met uh, through our mutual friends. And then, uh, you know, he was saying that maybe what he can do is you know, to to tell me exactly what it means and what needs to do in terms of the independent filmmaking. But he doesn't really have any cultural background of, uh, of you know, Hollywood or even the, the States. He doesn't even speak much English, right? So maybe, like, I could be that person. He could be the, the you know. So we, we both have something that, you know, uh, the the other person doesn't have. Okay, so he suggested that why don't we, uh, you know, like try to actually, uh, uh, he has a script that he wanted to proceed with and he wanted to actually, you know, um, direct one film he wanted me to produce. Okay, um, I suggested that it should be a horror film. It can be done in low budget, you know. And, uh, um, you know, we could even use the Japanese horror element into it. So it's, it's basically, a, you know, American indie film with a Japanese horror essence to it, you know. And he immediately uh, uh, bought that idea. So actually, he, he rewrote the script, you know. And uh, that was my very first film. It was uh, very, very low budget, or I'd say no budget, okay. But, uh, um, and then what, this is like early 2000, right? And back then, the, the movies are still selling very well at the film market, such as AFM, American Film Market here in Santa Monica, you know, or Cannes, or, you know, like um, uh, all those marketplaces. And uh, um, what I figured was, uh, you know, some studios, uh, DVD companies back then, they would buy not even watch the entire film to buy a film but then uh, they decide pretty much on the trailers believe it or not back then you know right so i try to focus on the trailer to make it really good and you know basically i wanted to have some killer shots that would work for the trailer so that that was the uh so those killer shots I came up with and I told Junichi that, hey, I would like to have these shots in the film, you know, so that when we make a trailer, we could, you know, get those trailers, right? So we did that and we successfully made a great trailer for it. 
and then um, we sold the very first film to. So the trailer worked. <laughs> yeah. So that was the, fortunately or unfortunately, trailer worked. Okay. And uh, yeah, and uh, that was the that was the very first film you know that I produced. You know, but uh, it was such an experience. You know, I needed to. You know, Junichi uh, wanted to wanted to shoot the first film in Hollywood. You know, I needed to have. I wanted to have a, um, the very first film to produce with, to start with. So it worked out very well. So that was the beginning of it back in early 2000. And you successfully got, you had enough. See, this is interesting because a lot of current producers don't understand that the, even today, the power of a trailer and the power of the trailer to hook a distribution company interest so that they can see the full entity right and if that trailer falls short you don't get to first base <laughs> you know you strike out at, at home plate totally and uh you know like once you come to the more professional level then you know that there are so many trailer houses in in la that create great trailers for you you know, and though people know that, you know, to making the great trailer is such an important process and thing, right? So once you come to that professional stage, then you would figure that all out. But when you're still like, you know, very independent filmmaker, you wouldn't have that money to spend to create the great trailer, which comes first, you know? So, but I, yeah, but it's, it's, it's a very important element, definitely. So let's kind of look at, you are um, the CEO of a distribution company, a very successful distribution company. Where did that come from? How do you find your product? Um, you know, how many uh, markets do you go to besides AFM, which is in our back corner in Santa Monica in November, for those listening in that don't know when that is? Um, you know, go ahead, pick and choose any of those questions. Uh, yeah. So start with, starting with the market, because that's a very interesting question. You know, as you know, uh, last few years, couple of years, because of the COVID, you know, like the, the markets are completely basically, well, it became online. Okay. And some people uh, find that that's very easy to do because you don't really have to travel over to like places like Berlin or Cannes, France, or, you know, right uh or fm from different places right um so at the same time you know we still find that meeting directly with the people is also a very important thing you know you 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 feel the hype you feel the passion you know uh buy and sell so i think uh also, in general, people like to get together with the people, you know, especially for, uh, I don't know, you know, like for film market and stuff. So, you know, um, I think uh, we've had some challenging years, you know, uh, in last few years. But I'd say before the COVID, you know, I used to go to uh, Berlin in February, uh, Hong Kong in March, called the Hong, Hong Kong Film Art and uh, uh, Cannes market in May, and then Toronto, TIFF, you know, in uh, September, and uh, Korea, 
or Busan Film Festival in Korea in October, and sometimes in October again in Tokyo called TIFF, and FM in November. So you would basically travel almost like all the places every year. It becomes the, the cycle. But again, after the COVID, you know, I mean, uh, I think um, uh, the May in Cannes, last May in Cannes, that was pretty much considered as the, the first market for finally buyers and sellers, you know, come together. Yeah, in person. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see how that's going to go, you know, from now on. Yeah, it's interesting because you have the, the, the pre-COVID and the post-COVID and, and things have altered uh, uh, drastically. And I think uh, you correct me if I'm wrong, because I also uh, I act sometimes as a producer's rep when, you know, we find a festival in our a film in our festival that we really like that we want to sell. Right. Um, uh, during those, you know, covid years where the markets were online, what I found is that it was such it was more difficult to really make that that one on one contact with distributors because you had these these open little pods that you could join and talk, but that touchstone of of being in front of the face of a human being uh, uh, really decreased the amount of sales. Do you feel that because of that, the on ground markets are really going to come back in force once we, you know, start clearing out this second cycle of COVID? Yeah, I think uh, it's it's not going to be exactly the same as you know before COVID. You know, it, it's going to be the uh, you know uh, hybrid, right? Like the the mixture of sometimes online, sometimes in person, right? But definitely, I believe that people are willing to come out to see, you know, buyers, sellers, friends, you know, to to markets. So I'd say people are ready to come back. I think they are too. I, I think they're I think they're really wanting to come back into those physical markets. So um, where do you get your product as you travel um, and sell the product that you have at the markets? Where do you really discover, look, um, gravitate to find the product that you end up picking up to distribute? I see. So to distribute, that's for North American market that I focus on. And then I also focus on uh, Japanese anime too, right? So that becomes a different marketplaces where the, you know, like the big markets like Cannes, you know, the, all the anime producers or sellers for anime, Japanese anime, they still would come to those, uh, you know, to, to maybe Cannes, you know, but they wouldn't come to FM. They wouldn't come to Toronto, you know. Uh, instead, there's uh, two big markets in Japan. One is called uh, Anime Japan in March. And then Tokyo International Film Market, TIFF, in another TIFF, you know, TIFF in, yeah, exactly, in, in October. Okay. So uh, those, there, there would be a lot of sellers for Japanese anime, you know. So we'd rather come to those places, you know, come to those places for uh, anime for us to pick up. Okay. But then at the same time, we know all the sellers already, so they would send us the the you know 
whenever they have a new products, they would send us ahead of time. So we could already start discussing prior to those markets, you know, one way or another, or we can always close a deal at any point, you know, over the, the you know, the emails or even, uh, even a Zoom or, you know, so it's, you know, yeah, that's, that's the way it goes for anime for us to pick up. How, when you're selling, because you're selling to, to buyers uh, globally, not just, you know, in Japan, um, are you finding that they are open to the Western anime style as well, or they really want the, the Japanese traditional? Because there's a lot of um, Japanese product that is being created in the U.S. I shouldn't say a lot, but there is some uh, that really use that Western anime style. How do you feel the selling components for either one works better or worse? Yeah, well, before that, I actually uh, forgot to mention, but I should mention, you know, that there's another big market that everyone gets together is uh, in July in Los Angeles called the Anime, Expo, Anime Expo. Okay, yeah, exactly. So uh, Anime Expo is where all the anime fans get together, right? So, you know, like a lot of fans and cosplay and really fun, you know? But also at the same time, it has become a marketplace for uh, professional people as well in last, I'd say, especially last five years, you know, or like seven, eight years, right? Where the, all the sellers from Japan come to the show. Also all the buyers or the distributors in the US, they come from all over the places, get together in LA. So that is, you know, that has become very, very important market. I say probably the most important market nowadays. Interesting. Even more so than the two that are in Japan. Yeah, because, uh, because the point is that in Japan, I would come, but not that all the buyers would come to Japan from the States or, you know, right. But then somehow uh, in LA, everyone from Japan, everyone from the States, they all get together. So I get to see all the friends, you know, uh, from here too, you know, from LA, from uh, Texas, from New York, you know. Uh, from San Francisco, I get together with them, as well as all the friends from Japan. So it's a very different market, but I love it and very important. So let's circle back to kind of the differences between the two animation styles. Yeah, so um, that's a good question. You know, also it's it's a marketing as well. Okay, if you want to call this Japanese anime, that's one way. You know, if you're going to call this not quite a Japanese anime, it's more for family. That's another way to go, you know. So it, it could be depending on that too, you know, like which market, which, which fan, uh, you know, um, fan base, yeah, you would like to go for, right? Um, but uh, it's true that when it comes to the Japanese anime, uh, there are some specific fans that would love the Japanese anime, you know, that don't necessarily work for outside of Japanese anime, you know, right? So depends on also the style and story of anime, you know, like if it's more the universal theme or it's more that, the you know, the world is like, you know, uh, fantasy or, you know, doesn't really give you the specific idea of Japan school or school girls or, you know, all those, then, you know, those would work for, for the, uh, the wider audience in the States, you know, but 
opposite. If you are producing something similar to Japanese anime in the States, it might be slightly harder to grab the Japanese anime audience in the States, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Because fans are very true to the creators or where it came from or, you know, like all those, you know, they have passion for all those, the fans, you know. So they would like to support that you know, the core anime fans. So, you know, I think that's that's another thing. And do you see that the fans are really supporting the creator or the story or both? I mean, are, is there a huge fandom for the, the creator of the anime or is there more fandom for the characters he's created or she's created? Yeah, I think it's totally both, you know? Yeah, but I'd say slightly more towards characters than the creators. I think characters, if that becomes become very popular, then the you know fans would love the creator afterwards as well. You know? So, you know, which comes first, right? And it's already a known creator, then fans would love something that's coming out of that creator. But you know, where did he stop? Yeah. Right. Are you are you seeing that there that there's maybe uh, also a, a, a possibility for storylines that are not necessarily Japanese centric that are being distributed or is that not even on the table? No, actually uh, uh, it doesn't have to be Japanese centric. You know, it, it could be again, the fantasy, like it could be, you know, it could be some fantasy world where you don't know where it is or, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't really, that doesn't really matter. And, you know, over the last year and a half, two years, you know, Hollywood has been challenged with uh, inclusion, Um, inclusion in ethnicity, inclusion in people of color, inclusion, right? And so we are seeing a lot of that inclusion in animation, the traditional Hollywood, you know, Disney style animation. We're seeing a lot of that in live action. We're seeing a lot of that in television. Uh, are you in Japan in anime? Are you having that struggle of having to include um, people of color globally in the anime products? You see where I'm going, isn't it? Isn't it? Like, are you having that challenge, or is that just not on the table? I see. Oh, that's a very interesting. Yeah, that's a very interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think somehow, you know, I would like to be very carefully speaking here, you know, but yeah, 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 yeah. But I think for Japanese anime, well, because the, you know, the cultural, there's a huge cultural difference between Japan and the States, right? And in Japan, even though I admit that there are more mixed people uh, nowadays than before in Japan, Japan is still somehow mostly Japanese, Japanese people live in Japan. It's not like you see, you know, a lot of people, you know, you see a lot of diverse, you know, there in Japan, right? Uh, in, in a regular living lifestyle, okay? Right, right. So, uh, you know, I think that reflects on a Japanese cinema as well as Japanese anime. 
where that we don't really see that diversity in uh, in uh, you know in uh, anime or the Japanese cinema in general. You know. So uh, that said, I think in Japan they have a different perspective and idea for diversity. You know, I'd say different approach, right? So in the States, it's more direct, you know, uh, but in Japan, they know what it is, but they don't really reflect a lot to the movies or the contents that they create, because that's not necessarily what they see in general in their, in, in their life, you know, in Japan, if that makes sense. It's interesting because, you know, you, you know, currently we're Hollywood's dealing with, um, you know, inclusion, a lot of focus on inclusion and, and that's spreading out to, you know, other countries globally. Um, so it's a, it's a great answer that you, that you gave. Um, uh, now your company, um, also has a component for producing, um, content. How, open are you to independence coming to you with interesting projects? Uh, where do you it create in-house? Um, do you look for potential product, products that are created by independence, you know, brought to you by their representation? How, how does that work for you at the studios? I would be more interested in, you know, producing from the early stage. You know, uh, so I am uh, potentially looking for new scripts and new ideas and new creators all the time. Especially, well, I'm I'm also producing uh, some anime titles as well as live sure. action. Right, because um, you do both. Yeah, you do yeah, both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, I'm always interested in working with the new creators as well like something new that could bring a new feeling of, oh my God, I've never seen this before, or oh my God, this must be something new, you know? Like all that I'm super interested in. But again, uh, at the end of the day, I'm always looking, we are always looking for, you know, uh, interesting ideas, and, you know, interesting scripts, stories, creators. Yeah. Well, in your uh, produced content under the under the studio banner of Eleven Arts, um, you know, I, a lot of the storyline has a Japanese element to it, um, either in the anime created entities or the live action created entities are. And I know that that is part of your your global focus uh, at the company. Uh are you looking to expand into television? Are you looking to expand into other Asian product countries like um, China? You know, if a, if a Chinese product came to you, is that something that you might go, well, that's kind of interesting. How do you, how are you looking at that as a potential expansion in your product line? Sure. Uh, so first of all, uh, as for the, the TV, you know, uh, TV series, uh, uh, TV market. Yes, I, you know, I am definitely interested in it. And then I do have some projects already that I'm, you know, um, I have a quite a few already. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see how that goes. How those go. Okay, good. <laughs> and, <laughs> that, uh, that are in the development, that are in the development exactly, tunnel. Exactly, okay, exactly, okay. <laughs> exactly. A lot of tunnels. Yeah. Okay. So, 
Now, um, yeah, so here's the idea though, like, because I came, I grew up in Japan, you know, I came from Japan, right? Um, I, I know Japanese culture more than any other people outside of Japan, basically, right? So yeah, <laughs> in general, of course. So I would like to, you know, that's my specialty. You know, when, when, when I'm outside of Japan, you know, I could present Japan, right? Like, I know what it is, you know, so that, that's, and then I can be very detailed, you know, in terms of, you know, the cultural backgrounds or information, you know, whatsoever about Japan. So that's something I can contribute to, to the story, to the production, all that, right? So, you know, um, and also my passion is to, uh, to somehow tell the story one way or another, related to Japan, you know, right? Because that's where I came from again, right? So um, that's, I believe that's where my passion is. Also, that's my role is, you know? Um, if I uh, if I try to, let's say, if I try to make a, make a film about the American high school, you know, love story, you know, then I've never been there before, right? So I wouldn't really convey all that detailed, you know, vibe or the feelings or, you know, all that, you know, I, I, I don't think I'm the best person for that. Right. So it's the, it, so that, that, that's, that's uh, what I'm saying. So now when it comes to the, uh, the collaboration with some other countries, yes, but uh, probably that would still need to have a, a Japanese element, element one way or another, because again, that's my strength. You know, if I uh, if I say I can do U.S. China co-production, then I'm not quite sure if that's my you know role or I I'm the best right at it. Yeah. So I guess you know I I'm just saying that I want to be professionally contributing my ability you know to the to the production. So that becomes that you know I I think the anything. We, we, I still need to, would, would want to have a Japanese element one way or another to it. Um, you've got The House of the Lost on the Cape uh, opening in September. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, you know, how that came to be? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so I'm super excited about this. Uh, the House of the Lost on the Cape. Actually, uh, you know, I don't know the, the you know, you're all familiar with this uh, very special film festival in France called the Annecy International Animation Film Festival. I think it was maybe, right? Okay, great. So, you know, in Annecy, well, nowadays, if you, it's, it's a very honor. It's almost like a Cannes Film Festival for live action films, right? So Annecy is the, um, is the big step for, animation titles to be nominated and once that happens you know you'll see a lot of doors will open okay and uh, it is an animation film festival but that doesn't mean that the japanese anime uh, titles are always like mostly welcome you know it, it still need to be very quality you know film and you know it need to make sense right so now that said I think, uh, you know, this year's Annecy, um, there are some uh, uh, Japanese anime titles were in there, 
but officially uh, nominated, there are only two Japanese uh, anime films. Okay, uh, one is called the Goodbye Don't Gleeds. Actually, my you know my friends uh, G Kids uh, they're distributing that, and I think it's coming out soon. You know, congrats G Kids. And then the yeah, and then the uh, the other one is uh, the House of the Lost on the Cape. So we are very proud, you know, that um, now the House of the Lost on the Cape coming to bring into the bring into the U.S. market, you know, and um, in Japan, it's distributed by uh, Aniplex, you know, which is the company actually who produced the uh, the Demon Slayer or you know uh, or the uh, or the um, the, some of the the biggest films, you know, anime films in the in the states, you know, the you know, so Aniplex um, distributed this in Japan, and you know, again, uh, it's it's very um, high quality, um, kind of like if you're um, big Miyazaki Ghibli fan. You know, you might see a part of it, or that you might enjoy the the actual quality of the film as well. You know, yeah, and um... so super high quality for those listening in, um, kind of like the gold standard of Japanese anime. So yeah, I'm super excited to present this. You know, to to you, you want to give us a little snippet on the just a really small slug of the storyline. Yeah. It's actually the um, to uh, it's a little bit related to the uh, the the earthquake that happened in Japan, you know, in Fukushima, you know, the uh, back in two thousand eleven, you know. But after the after the uh, the, the the earthquake um, caused tsunami, right? That ruined the whole you know area of Japan, you know, uh, back in the day. And uh, after that tsunami, a lot of family became apart. You know, some of them lost their loved ones. And, you know, in this film, starting with uh, uh, two girls, you know, uh, where that they lost their family. And it came to this place where that uh, the grandma figure, you know, is, uh, is in the house and she's welcoming the, the kids like, our, you know, our heroes, right? So I uh, came to the house, but uh, eventually, um, you know, they are facing some of the, um, the spiritual, you know, uh, monsters, creatures in the area, you know, that they found that they needed to, they need to fight against to save the area and the actual the house that they feel very happy with, if that makes sense. Yeah. Tell people listening in where they can um, tap in to find out where it is uh, showing in LA or different cities in the US um, when it opens up. Yeah, in fact, actually, uh, uh, you know, like in LA, we are showing this in uh, Lumley's, you know, and I think we are um, showing uh, in New York too. I think uh, uh, there are theaters in uh, uh, Village East Cinema. So I'm sure people can tap into your website and see where it's like listed to show. 
Yeah, like there are quite a few theaters and I'm pretty sure that, you know, like you can find the, the theaters nearby you as well. Excellent. Um, last question. So what's a dirty little secret that you wish somebody had told you that you have learned along your travels of producing, uh, distributing in life? Oh my God. Okay. So, uh, um, Maybe the producing, right? So, okay, before, okay, before I came to LA, okay, the, the, you know, being a Hollywood producer is like a rock star, okay? Like you get a lot of stuff, like as you've seen in the films, you know, right? Like a dream life, okay? But the reality is, actually, it's not that easy. It's, um, it's the, you know, the producing is probably the toughest especially when it comes to the independent filmmaking, you know, toughest job that I've ever found. And uh, you will still have to enjoy that hard process of filmmaking. At the end of the day, you see a little rewards. So, you know, I encourage that if you're in the filmmaking, you know, keep going, you know, don't give up, you know, like try to enjoy every single obstacles, which might be a lot, in fact, but, you know, um, yeah, try to enjoy all that process, and at the end, uh, I'm pretty sure you'll you'll find it really, you know, the big big reward and joy. Excellent, thank you so much um, for coming. No, thank you for coming on Best in Fest. You've been listening to Co Co Mori. Let me say that again. You've been listening to Co Mori. Um, who was our guest and the CEO of Eleven Arts. Um, uh, thank you again for coming on Best and Fest. Uh, if you want to see the video component of this, please tap into the YouTube channel for La Femme International Film Festival, and you can see the video component of that. Uh, we are on all the pat podcast platforms, so make sure you rate us, rank us, like us, and pass us on to your friends. Uh, and don't forget to DM us if you have any questions. Thank you again, Co, for joining us on Best and Fest. Best and Fest.